Welcome to Your Divorce Planner Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi B., certified divorce coach, event expert, and go-to gal for navigating the next steps of your divorce journey. I'm so happy you've tuned in for the tools, topics, and truth talk to start transforming your life today. I truly believe that with a powerful planning partner, you will heal the heartbreak and move forward faster. Without further delay, let's continue creating your comeback today. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I have a gem of a guest today, Ms. Connie Monroe. She has received her bachelor's degree in English from Rutgers University. She attended to pursue a career in journalism, but ended up working in finance for Merrill Lynch, where she discovered her love of managing people. During the economic crisis of 2008, Connie opted out and became a life design coach and ultimately achieved her dream of becoming a published author. She hopes that her book, Holding On to Joy, will inspire others to overcome the difficulties in life and chase their dreams instead. Connie lives in Costa Rica with her partner, Martin, and she is working on her second book as we speak. Welcome to the podcast, Connie. Thanks so much for having me, Heidi. It's a pleasure to be here. I am so glad that you are here. You know, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show that I always thought that joy was very un- a unique approach that I invented. I came up with it was my thing. And little did I know, as the more and more I do this work, the more and more I realize that joy really is such a powerful, powerful transformational tool. So when you reached out and understood the kinds of messages that I was putting out in the world, I was ecstatic to know that someone similar to me uses joy to heal through some of these really, really painful moments in our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And let's remember, right? So joy is a bit different than happiness, right? Yes. Happiness fluctuates. That's totally normal. Joy is gladness, not based on circumstance, right? That's the definition if you look it up, right? So yeah, that's a big deal. Like joy is a big deal. So when you think about your circumstances, that's where the choice comes in, right? Yes. There's lots of stuff that's horrible that happens to us. And we can all just be like, well, I deserve to not be happy. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? When you think about joy and holding on to it, yeah, definitely. We can we can choose it. And there are many moments in life where it's not easy to make that choice, but we can. It's really interesting because I heard somebody say one time that happiness is what is dependent on what's happening. And that's how I remember it. Like happiness is dependent on what's happening. That ar- makes sense. Right around me. And it's very <sighs> circumstantial. But joy is actually an internal experience like you described. And Mm -hmm. that's where we get to really self-permission ourselves to cultivate that sensation within our own systems through a series of choices. So I definitely want to circle back around to that. But first, I think it would be so helpful if you would help our listeners by sharing a little bit about maybe your personal story um, and as much of the backstory as you want to. And then why you're so passionate about sharing the joy methodology with others today. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, I mean, let's go back to um, me talking about like, 
I was born joyful, right? I, I just was, I'm the youngest of four girls. Um, my sisters are eight, nine and your, uh, eight, nine and 10 years older than I am. I was like, their plaything. You know what I mean? (sighs) I come home from the hospital and I'm like this live doll. So I had a joyful childhood. I had a joyful, you know, there's a lot in my life that I just, I don't know. I just was gifted with joy. Um, so What's happening is um, when I wrote my book, right, it's all about I, the subtitle is holding on. So it's holding on to joy through abandonment and divorce. Yes. When I wrote the book, um, I intended to just make it my memoir and have it a, a series of life lessons that I learned to inspire other people to live joyful lives. Right. Mm. But then by chapter four or five, I'm like, I'm only writing about when my dad left or when I went through my divorce. So let's just keep it to that. And, you know. Since you help with so many people with divorce, I'm going to focus on the divorce part, right? Yeah. And that was really the life-changing thing. Because uh, like I mentioned in the, in the pre-talk here, um, I, was, I didn't feel like the joy got stolen from me when my dad left. I was quite young. I was about 10. I just was like, well, dad's gone, right? But mm. when I was 35 and found myself going through a divorce, yeah. I was like unplugged. Yes. Right? I was unplugged. And of course, you know, it was a very strange thing because when I was married to my ex-husband, we were not like, we were that couple that everybody's like, that's a great couple, right? Mm -hmm. We were that couple that everybody was like, happy to invite over, happy to have around. And to be very honest with you, so the thing that spiraled, there were different things going on, right? So the, the big thing was infertility. Um, we were spent about five years trying to have a baby. Um, he had an operation. I went through in vitro and, you know, at the end of all of that, um, we decided if it doesn't work, we're not going to just go and have another in vitro done. We're going to just take a breather and go on a really big trip. Neither of us had been to Europe. So we made a trip to Europe. And when we came home from Europe, like two weeks, three weeks after we're home, he basically told me he was going to leave me for another woman. And I'm like, but how did that happen? Right. I'm like, how did that happen? Did you meet her in the last two, three weeks? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How did that yeah. Happen? Was I not looking when we were in Europe? What happened? What happened? Yeah. Like yeah. clearly it had been going on. And, but, but again, right. We were that couple, like he was having a hard time telling me what he wanted to tell me. So I was guessing, I guessed everything under the sun other than him, you know, having this, you know, infidelity going on. And I'm like, no, okay, so maybe you spent all of our savings. Oh, are you on drugs? Like I guessed <laughs> everything before I guessed that that was happening. And so that was the start of it. That was the start of the me entering the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. That was the beginning of it. And when I, I, I you know, it, he, we were such good friends and we were so close that like once he let the cat out of the bag, he felt the need to tell me all this stuff. And now I knew, she worked in the same company as we did. I knew oh. when her birthday was. I knew all this stuff about her. And I was like, ah, I don't want to know any of this stuff, right? It's so too much he, information, right? It's overload. Like, I want to know less. Am I? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just, that was the beginning of the rabbit hole for me. And I just, for the first time in li- my life, I had self-esteem issues. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't thin enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't interesting enough. I wasn't any of those things. And I really was spiraling. And um, 
anyway, so so to wrap it up here, um, we made this, this. So the revelation came in like the springtime, and I said, "All right, so you've got to stick around for the summer." I said, "You know what? If we were just dating, I would tell you, all right, go have fun, and we can end this." But we were married now, right? So yeah. the summer comes and goes. And I said, if you're still, you know, want to leave as of September 1st, I'll help you find a place to live and we can just call it quits. But by the end of the summer, he decided to stay. And we, you know, we, we made a lot of changes in our life. Uh, we sold our house. We, we, we did a lot of stuff. And he was, he really didn't give me any reason to believe that he, he was not uh, committed to, to trying to make this work. But after three years, I found evidence that <laughs> that woman was still in his life. So it was like, okay, I have to go now. <laughs> wow. And and it wasn't that easy. It wasn't like, okay, I have to go now. It was it, I went I I was sort of coming out of the rabbit hole and I was now down way down at the end of the rabbit hole done and I was just didn't know what to do. I was really um not happy anymore. I was I didn't know what to do, really. But fortunately for me, I've got an amazing support network. Um, and you know, slowly I came to the realization I had this, um, so I was telling you before about one of my big mentors in life, oddly enough, was from when I was a little kid, right? So when my parent, this is so weird, this is a very strange connection, right? Talk about synchronicity. So I'm about 10 years old and my pa- my dad leaves us, right? That was when I was throwing myself into cheerleading. And my coach is a huge coach today, like cheerleading today is what she envisioned it back then. Back then we were like, you know, people didn't think we were athletes. She trained us like athletes, right? Yeah. So I was throwing myself into cheerleading when dad left. Now here it is. I'm 35 years later. I'm 35 years old and I'm in the middle of my divorce and I become a cheer coach. Like it was so strange, right? You did. I did. So I started doing all these things where, oh, and and so here's here's the connection, right? So I find out about this information. And I've kept in touch with my cheer coach all these years. She's the one who gave me the book signing. And so I went to visit her at the gym. She's like, are you having problems again? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, she goes, come here. We need to talk. So she sat me down and she said, once shame on him, twice shame on you. This is who he is. Mm. He said, do you really think that God intended you to live this life after your father abandoned you? Do you really want to live the rest of your life feeling like you, you're you're getting just a little bit less than you deserve. And I was like, you're right. You're right. I was weeping. I, it, was, it was such a come to realization for me. And I just was, I spent about, I spent most of the summer being really depressed. But you know what? I just got my strength back. I just, you know, I, uh, I went, ran to my sister's house, you know. I grabbed all my stuff and I ran to my sister's house and she's the other person who g- gave it to me straight. And she's like the, like the rock of our family, but she's like one of the nicest people you ever know. She's not, she's not going to really give it to you straight. She's going to be kind about it. Well, she took me by the shoulders and she said, do not let him steal your joy. <gasps> and I was like, okay, okay, I'll try, <laughs> you know? But so what happened was they said to me, my sister and her husband said, you come here. You don't have to pay us. You don't have to tell us when you're coming, when you're going, you have a key, but we want you to think about something. You are now inconveniencing yourself because you are now over an hour away from work where he's got a 15 minute ride to work. So you think about that. You think about that. I was like, I will think about that. And guess 
guess what? I'm not driving. I'm not commuting. (laughs) (laughs) So his parents basically lived across town and he went and lived with his parents. And I stayed in this beautiful townhouse that we had built together. And it was the best thing for me because I learned to be independent. I learned to say, get comfortable with myself again. Like, wow, I don't have to cook dinner. I don't have to do anything if I don't want to, right? I really gained my my independence back and a slow, slow, slow crawl back to joy. And so in September of that year, by the time I was ready to see a lawyer, maybe it was October, I don't remember, um, I was ready. I was ready. I had no doubts in my mind. I was no longer sad. I was, you know, a little nervous, a little um, worried, but I just said, you just got to do it worried then. You just, you know, you've got good people around you. You've got great family. You've got great friends. You're going to be okay. And here's the other thing. I'll just end on this note. I had gotten into this pattern. You know, now I'm living in this beautiful townhouse all by myself. I have a 15-minute commute. Everything's great. But I was barely making it through the week, right? I was like, yes. I get home and like I picked up my college habit of smoking, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'd sit on the front doorstep smoking, having a bottle of wine, talking to whoever would talk to me on the phone. And one day I get home from work and I pick up the phone and there's sobbing going on. I'm like, that should be me. I used to come home and sob for about a half an hour. Like, yeah, for me. Right? Yes. It was my cousin. My cousin, by the way, is the only reason I became a cheerleader all those years ago. She's my idol. She's a year older than me. And I was like, I want to be like her when I grow up. Right. So she was a cheerleader in her school. I was going to be a cheerleader in my school. So anyway, we remain friends all these years. We really grew up like sisters because she's also the youngest in her family. And she's sobbing on the phone now. And I'm like, what's happening? She's telling me about her older sister, my other cousin, who has breast cancer. And now my cousin is a nurse, right? So she knows prognosis. She's worked with cancer patients. She's sobbing. That means it's bad. And it was bad. Fortunately, my cousin is still with us today. Thank God. She went through two or three years of really horrible treatment, lost her hair, the whole thing. But when I got off the phone with that day, that afternoon, I said, you know what? You're not going to die from this divorce. Your cousin could die. Mm. And, you know, we all have those experiences, right? To kick us in the pants, to wake us up, to give us an aha moment. But, you know, it lasts for a day, a month, right? I was determined not get off that thought process. I kept her picture around. I replayed the conversation in my mind. And it really helped. I'm going to tell you what. There were nights where I wouldn't sit and smoke and have the wine. I put my running sneakers on and because that was something I was not doing. And I used to run four times a week, you know? So I just thought, and the thing that ingrained it in my brain was, you're not going to die from this divorce. Your cousin could die. Do not insult her situation by Uh, sitting here every day on the pity pot. And I felt, I truly felt like I'd be insulting her if I did that. So, of course, you know, maybe one day we let myself get, you know, a little (laughs) slip off the the thing again. But I'd be like, no, you cannot insult her. That's insulting. That's Mm. insulting. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those were the big things that influenced me and got me through to the other side. And I do feel that once I started doing things again, things that I loved, uh, coaching the cheerleaders, um, reading, I started writing again. They made me stronger. 
And I really did believe it. I believed once shame on him, twice shame on me. And, you know, in my parents' marriage, my mom, you know, my dad, he was given a lot of chances. And I think in my brain, I was like, no, I'm not going to give that many chances. For sure. And then life became short. My life became really short, right? Yeah. Like I thought, you know, and I have all the, these people around me, I'm only 35 saying, oh, you can get married. You can have babies. I'm like, no, I'm thinking I'm going to get through the divorce first and then figure life out. But I just reevaluated. I just completely reevaluated. And at some point I did make the decision not to have children. Because, you know, if you pursue that thing, it, you know, I mean, I hear these stories. I, I, I admire people who have that in them to do it. But I, I was never going to have in vitro four, four or five times. It was never going to happen with me. So I just decided and I said, you know, there's so many things I want to do in life. I want to write a book. I want to travel the world. I want to meet new people. I want to help people. So that's what I decided to do. And and now I'm I'm on this lovely podcast talking to you about all this great stuff. <laughs> it's a it's really amazing. And I'm so I mean, I know that you just summed up a huge chapter in your life in like a very short amount of time. So Kudos to you for doing that, but you <laughs> really helped really paint a, an incredible picture and give us insight as to the emotional journey that you've been on. And it's so amazing. The things that you have shared, I mean, I'm going to have to talk to you after we stop recording because there's so many things I'm like, wow, when you said I was gifted with joy, hmm. I've never never in my life talk to someone on a podcast or even beyond who I believe understands exactly how I felt when I popped out of my my mom. <laughs> I cannot explain it to people because people will just think like I'm an extrovert or I'm very enthusiastic. I've been like this my whole life and I can't explain it other than it is a superpower. I know that everyone has access to joy and we can continue. There are tools that I've learned to cultivate that and energize that and get intention behind that, which has truly helped me transform my life from a place of, as you described, like that depressed, dark space yeah. after divorce to the light and lightness and desire again. And it was very, very clear to me that it felt like I, I felt like I actually had lost it. I actually felt yeah. like it had disappeared because it was such a huge part of who I was. And I would kind of get bullied when I was going through high school and um, and college because people would think that I was just faking my joy. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I, and I'm I like that from time to time. Absolutely. I can't I can't turn it down or turn it off. Right. It's just a part of who I am. But it, it it's like um someone had like sucked that out of my soul, like in the Disney movie right. where like Ursula, like whoosh, takes yeah, yeah, it out yeah. of the little or Harry mermaid. Potter, the death eaters. And yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's like someone had sucked that out. That, that very exactly how I was out of me. And I didn't know how to get it back. What are some of, I know you have the joy methodology methodology. Yes. Can you maybe walk us through that or parts of that or share pieces of sure. that, of how you sure. use that to really recharge your life? Yeah. So basically the joy methodology is based on the chapters in my book. So there's 12 chapters. And then, so you figure, you know, you've got four, three for four, right? So it's J-O-Y. 
the first thing I do when I, when I sit down with someone is I look at where they are in their journey, right? I want to know if that person is on a totally different path than they should be. I want to know what they do with their daily life, how they start their day, how they finish their day. I think it's really important to get an idea of where they are on their journey so that we know how far we have to go, right? The O stands for relationship with others, right? How do you relate to others? You know, sometimes, um, you know, and it's, you know, because of the book, I speak to other people now, you know, prior to coaching um, people, I was managing people in corporate America and that I really was, I loved helping people get a new career. So I was really more of a career coach before. And now I find myself getting involved with people who are just making big transitions in their life. So the J is the journey. The O is how do you relate to others? Sometimes we've got just, we've got really bad people in our inner circle that are taking us down. And, you know, sometimes that piece alone, you know, just gets somebody catapulted to another level, you know, and and people get really guilty with this stuff. They're like, oh, that's my sister or that's my aunt or that's my brother or Okay, I'm not saying like walk away from your family, but what I am saying is, you know, maybe limit your time with them depending upon how that person, you know, and there's, there's other things with the, with the, with the relationships with others. So you've got that where you are on the journey, what your relationship is with others. And then the why, of course, is last but not least you. Mm. If we don't look at those two first, we don't know how to fix you, right? So you is all about you. It's all about things you can do to get yourself back, right, to a place of productivity. Um, get yourself back to doing things you love. Get yourself back to, wow, like, how did I stay in this career for 15 years? I never meant to be here this long, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, like, there's there's lots of things in the book that that are in the why. So there's different things in the book uh, in the why, which I believe one of them is, um, one of them is, uh, give back. Yes. Give back. So, um, that part of the book, um, I just noticed when I was like in the depths of my like depression and things weren't really settled yet. Like, is he staying? Is he going? Are we going to get a divorce? Are we not going to divorce? It was like any time, Anytime there was like a birthday in the family or anytime someone at work needed help with something and I did something for someone else, my, I got lighter. And so giving back became a thing for me. Uh, In fact, when I left corporate, the first thing I did was went and volunteered for an organization, which is also in the book. And they were all about, they were like an innocence project based out of Princeton. Uh, They're still around. They're amazing people. They do amazing work. Uh, they're called Centurion Ministries. Um, actually, they're just called Centurion now. Anyway, um, that work was amazing. And, you know, by the time I went to work for them, I was well out of my divorce. I was already thinking about coming to live in Costa Rica and the rest of it. But um, that's a big one, right? Give back. Wow. You know, we've all got someone to give back to. And, you know, it's not necessarily giving back to the person who gave you. It doesn't matter. It's just as long as you do it. Just as long as you do it, because you know it's it's amazing. I think I think giving back is one of the biggest things that can take us out of our own, you know, horrible little shell that we've been living in that we well, need to get out of. 
it's kind of like what you said with your, um, I'm going to forget your friend or your sister-in-law or your sister uh, who got cancer. Yeah. My cousin, your cousin. Yeah. It's almost like when you witness someone else going through pain and you, you realize, and it's not, it's not so much a comparison thing as it just is a, uh, understanding of how, like you said, precious life is, how things yes. can change in a second. Uh, I've also, I also subscribe to the give back um, uh, um, opportunity because when you, they say something like, give what you need the most, like give back what yes. you need the most. <gasps> so if yes, you absolutely. are feeling like you need help, or you need love, or you need whatever you need, go find a place to give that love, to be of service, like whatever you need, give that and it will return to you in the form that it needs to return to you in, which is usually just that 100% hands down, 100%. And you know, I'll give you a brief little story about that. My mom was one of my, you know, women in my life who was just an amazing mentor. Okay. So I'm 10, dad leaves, she's almost 40. She goes back to school to become a nurse, right? We were always growing up pretty, you know, there was never enough money, right? Yeah. So um, anyway, she became very involved in the church. And so people were always like over the house and like, you know, doing positive things, right? And so one day she has this friend who uh, is from Haiti, who had uh, immigrated to the United States. She's a, like a successful businesswoman and whatnot, but she wants to give back to her community in Haiti. And um, so she talks to my mom and my mom is like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, I want you to come to Haiti and I want you to help me. We're trying to build a orphanage for kids who are like roaming the streets. They need to get their lives back on track, whatever. So my mom's like, you do know my financial circumstances, right? She's like, I have four children in that house. Like she thinks they're always like, what are you asking me to do? She's like, no. She's like, listen, I'll give you my airfare. She goes, No. She goes, why are you choosing me? She said, because you know what it's like to do without. I can pick two dozen people in this uh, parish, this church parish, who have money and influence. You know what it's like to do without. So now here's my mom in Haiti. She makes the trip over there with her two friends. And they're walking around and they're talking to kids and they're talking to adults and they're giving out food and they're giving out clothes. And this one little child keeps following my mother around. And my mom is like, here, do you want my necklace? Here. And she kept, keeps pointing to her shoes. And my mom is a very petite woman with sensitive feet, always has. And she's like, I am not giving this child my shoes. Right? <laughs> I have four more days left here on these rocky roads. It's not happening. So the entire day goes by. She offers her everything. There's literally the dress off her back, money, everything. The child will not take it. And so she points to the shoes and my mom is like, why, why? Cause they were the same foot size. Right. And then the child picked up the bottom of her foot and there was a major gash in the bottom of her foot that she was in constant pain. My mother took off the shoes, gave the shoes to the child. She had to walk barefoot the rest of the day. And not once did she wince in pain. Not once. Oh, uh, ah, yeah. yeah, that is so, so I powerful. Believe, I totally believe. And, you know, in the book, I talk about an experience where I, I helped a friend out who was having problems paying her kids tuition, whatever. And I never told her about it until the book. But anyway, um, I was unemployed 
and I got my, my, um, I got my uh, income tax check back. It's like 1500 bucks. I'm like, woohoo. Then I heard about the situation. I'm like, ah, hell with it. I'll give it all to her. <laughs> but it had to be anonymous. It was totally anonymous until the book came out. Wow. <laughs> it was the best $1,500 I ever spent anywhere because when I went to the school that her daughter was going to, there were financial difficulties. My mom wanted to send me to a private school. I was alone, right? My sisters all had each other. They were eight, nine, and 10 years older than me. So, there was a person in my life who helped pay my tuition. They gave my mother a, a, a little bit of money every month. And I always wanted to help them. I always wanted, to, I'm like, mom, you know, I got to keep in touch with them. But you know, life happens. You go to college and then I had student loans and then I'm getting married. And, and I, I always felt bad about that. And, and here it was all these years later and I had the opportunity and this girl was going to the same school I went to. I'm like, that's a no brainer. Here it is right? Oh. Yeah. So like there were, there was that family that helped us. There was my, 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 um, my dear friend's grandmother, who was like my aunt, she helped us. I didn't, she died. I, we lost touch with the family. Listen, when else am I going to give back? I can't track these people down. And the other woman's dead. I'm given to this circumstance. And I really believe that sets things straight with the universe. Ooh, I do too. I do too. <laughs> I don't think there's any coincidences. I just think that we're put in the places and spaces that we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there. And we get to choose. We get to choose how we're going to show up and respond. And even, I just want to say this in case our listeners are thinking that this is all about money. It's not. Even if no. it's not money, it can be the ability to be in the right place at the right time and choose to listen. Yeah. Oh, that's the other chapter of my book. Listen. Ah. Oh. Don't if you're not listening. <laughs> yes. Listen. Sometimes we just have to listen because it's it's presenting itself to us. There's a so this is the craziest story in the book of listen. Uh I was in the middle of my separation. I was already on my way. I was already coaching the cheerleaders. I was already visiting the lawyer. I was in a good space in my mind. Yes. And we had two cars. So um, my ex-husband took the the older car and, but that was usually the car I drove it. Anyway, I had the newer car, whatever. So one day he calls me at work and he's really distressed. And I'm thinking it's a car issue because he doesn't know the car or whatever. He's like, please just come over to my building. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I go there and he's got the hood up. I'm like, what? Like, why isn't he calling like a, a mechanic? Like, what is he yeah. Call- in the grill of the car where you lift your hood, yeah, there's two birds caught in there. They're caught in the grill of the car. And I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? I was like, you know, before I lived in Costa Rica, I was a little animal shy. You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> you need to call maintenance. And so this is before Google, right? This is like 2004, right? This is like, you don't look stuff up. Like you could Google anything now, right? Yeah. So in the grill of the car, there's, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I don't have a 100% accuracy memory. I'm pretty sure they were both cardinals. And for the sake of the book, I put it as cardinals, right? So they're, they're stuck. Yeah. And he's freaking out. He's like, what does this mean? I'm like, I don't know. All I know is that those birds are going to die if you don't call maintenance. But he was angry and upset and all kinds of emotional thinking this was a sign. Mm. I was beyond that. I was like, I don't care if you have this, you know, re-revelation about something else should happen. I'm done. I'm gone. I'm, I've moved on. 
So anyway, I said, I'm really, really sorry. I, I want to help those birds as much as you do, but I have to get back to work. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm writing the book, right? Let's flash forward. I wrote the book in 2018, right? I took all of 2019 to edit it. Then COVID happened. And anyway, it was published in 2021. So I'm now writing that part of the book or editing that part of the book, right? I'm editing that part of the book. I'm like, I wonder what it does mean. I look this up and in native, the first thing that came up was in native American culture. I'm one eighth Apache Indian, by the way, on my father's side. It, if you have a cardinal that passes, like let's say you're going for a walk or a hike and the cardinal passes you, that could mean that you're going to find the love of your life. Or that could mean if you're in a relationship, you're about to have a renewed, you know, you're both going to fall in love again. Um, it's also a sign that if you are in a relationship and you're not, you're, you're, you're having an infidelity, you better, you better stop. What? No idea that any of that meaning was attached to what was going on. But I was like, wow, it's a good thing. I didn't know that back then. <laughs> wow. It yeah. really is. I, it, I, I mean, you just really, really have to listen. Yeah, you have to be saying. so present, so present and so aware and so alert. And not, and, and not try and like, lots of people don't feel comfortable talking about that stuff. Like, oh, the universe this, the universe. Listen, I'm sorry. You don't have to believe in what I believe in at all. But let me tell you something. There is something bigger. Mm-hmm. And if the minute you realize that, your life will improve. <laughs> Yes. Um, you said something way in the beginning about joy and I tried to write it down, but I can't find it in my notes anymore. So I'm just going to say what, what's coming up for me. And that, that was, um, oh, you said you were slowly crawling back to joy. Right. And, and somebody had said to you, oh, this is what it was. Somebody had said to you, do not let him steal your joy. My sister. Do not let him steal your joy. I'm not kidding, Connie, and our listeners may have heard this on other podcasts, but I'm going to say it as many times as I need to in my lifetime. I was laying on the bathroom floor in my puddle of tears like I did many, many a days after drinking that bottle of wine, right? (laughs) Coming back from work and just trying to deal with it in ways that were very unhealthy. And I was crying, crying, crying. And there was an internal, external, all around me, overwhelming ping of a voice that said, get up. Get up and fight for your joy. And it shook me. I love it. It shook me. And I don't care if people don't believe me, but you, you, you can only experience certain things in your life that shake you so bad. I got up, I got up off the bathroom floor and I didn't know where I was going. And I, I just put my shoes on. I'm like, okay. It said, go, go fight for your joy. Go find your joy. Go fight for your joy. Go find your joy. And I was like, okay. All right. It, I thought it was gone, but clearly someone is telling me it is not gone. I just oh, need no. to fight for it and Absolutely. I need to find it. And I put my shoes on and that's when I invented joy spotting, which is going out <gasps> and seeking joy. It is I love that. looking for it, right? You are looking yeah. for joy with intention and backing and going, okay, just because I don't feel it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. I need to create intention in finding it. So I love that you said, don't let him steal your joy. The other yes. part of that is fight for your joy. Go yes. find it. That's the personal responsibility part of it is that 
we may feel like someone sucked it out of us or it was taken away from us, but it's still there. It mm-hmm. is still there. Absolutely. And we just have to, I love that your book um, is like holding on to your joy, right? It's holding on to your joy through abandonment and divorce. That's the yep. correct title, right? Yep. It's like, hold on, hold on to it. So what are some ways that people can hold on to their joy? Okay. So you just mentioned intention, right? Yes. Listen, here's the biggest thing with me. And this I had started to do, and I noticed I I came and gone. And then I read another book, like in, I don't know, it was two or three years ago. And it was very, 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 very big about intention. Yes. So sometimes we do things, um, you know, intentionally, and sometimes we don't. But if you start your day with intention, and you do it every day. I'm not talking like, oh, well, I've had a bad week. So now I'm going to start doing this intention thing. No, that is like brushing your teeth. You don't leave the house without doing it, right? Yes. So it's huge because what happens is you're already setting the day with the bigger universe to say, this is what I intend to do. It's not a to-do list, right? No, no it is. I'm going to live this day with joy, no matter what, right? Ah. And it doesn't have to be that. It can be whatever. Like you're, you're, let's say you're on a big project or something. You know, I'm going to give the best of my ability to this project today. And no matter how much I accomplish today, it will be enough, right? Whatever it is, but you have to set it. And, you know, lots of people like might think, oh, well, that's a little crunchy. If you start doing this, I'm going to tell you right now, this thing that I started implementing in my life three or four years ago was enormous. And like, I'm a coach, right? So, you know, I've had some tricky things happen in the few years. We used to own a restaurant here. There were stressful times, you know, listen, setting that intention, game changer, absolute game changer. Because what happens is you're talking to your brain, you're, you're, you're newly awake, right? You just slept all night. You're newly awake. All your brain synapses are are sort of healing because you ha- you've had some rest. And now the first thing you're feeding your brain is your intention for the day. So your brain is going to go back to that. And especially when you start doing it after three weeks, I c- can assure you that's the biggest thing. Set your intention for the day. Ooh, I love that so much because I always ask people what's something that our listeners can do start doing now to start creating their comeback. And I think that that is it. I think that that is truly, truly it. I love that you said it's the first thing that you feed your brain. And I am obsessed with intention, obsessed. In fact, my group coaching this week, our module is all all around routine and rituals. And I call it a self-certainty practice where I spend about 60 to 90 minutes every morning with a series of things that really set me up to show up as my highest self for the day before anybody else gets any part of me, including, including social media and technology. That is not a part of this process, but one of the I in my process is, um, is actually, um, the I, the I in my process, I have a thrive, thrive is my pattern for my, my morning routine. And the I is intention. Oh, okay. Okay. It has to be intention, right? Intention, intention is everything. Yes. So I love that. I yeah. I challenge all of our listeners to create, like Connie said, consistency around your intention and make yes. this a 
practice that you create before she said, before you leave your house. Yeah. Before and, and you if you want to know house. the truth, if you want to know the honest truth, I know this is sound weird, but it is true. I do before I leave the bed. Ooh. I do. I, I mean, if you that. think about it, like if you think about scrolling on your phone and stuff, the time it takes you to do that, you could already do that. So that's like you said, you know, we're not putting any social media or anything in our hands before, you know, we do all this other stuff. And that's true. I mean, before my feet hit the ground, I look to, you know, what I believe in and I say, thank you. And I say some meditations and I set my intention, boom, before my feet, my feet even hit the ground. Yes. I love that you just said that in such a short way, because I think people think that it has to take so long and blah, blah, blah. Just allow it to be brief, wake up, take three deep breaths, say your three pieces and, and hit the ground running. That's why people shy away from it. Cause they're like, well, I already have to like iron my clothes in the morning. I already have to do this. I already, and now there's a saying, and I want, I don't know if it's Buddhist or there's some saying that says, um, if you don't have 15 minutes to meditate, you should, you, you should take the full day to meditate. Right. Yeah. You really need to take, because it sets the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It sets the entire, the entire tone of your day. Mm, that's and so good. That's so really good. Important. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk on this topic forever, but I want people to make sure that they go and read your book and get all the goodies, get all the juicy tidbits in there. Thank but first you. I want to, I want you to let us know where our listeners can get more of you in their life. Okay. So my, um, my last name is Monroe, M-O-N-R-O-E. Um, so my coaching is monroecoaching.com. That's my website. Um, I also have a Monroe coaching on Facebook. Um, I'm in Instagram as Constance Monroe, Constance J Monroe, but basically you can find my book on Amazon. You can either get it on Kindle or uh, paperback and it's called holding on to joy through abandonment and divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, these podcasts, by the way, I've been doing several podcasts. Um, they'll be on my website as well. I'll be telling everybody about our conversation once once it goes. Um, but yeah, so monroecoaching.com and then Amazon for the book, Holding On to Joy Through Abandonment and Divorce. Mm, so good, so good. And you guys, Tani has offered a very special thing for this podcast. She is gifting a free copy of her book to the first three people that reach out to her. So if you're listening, you need to go to the show notes. We'll have all of her links there or all anywhere that she just mentioned and be one of those first three people to tap into this opportunity. Because as you can tell, she is an incredible, incredible wealth of experience and and knowledge and just a beautiful soul to be connected with. Thanks so much, Heidi. This has been so great. Well, I have two quick closing questions that I love to ask all my guests. And the first one is, Connie, what's one thing that you love most about you? One thing that I love most about me, I guess, I don't want to sound redundant, but I guess, I guess it is my joy. Yes. You know, like I feel like, again, that no matter what. So I don't know if I said it before, but I'll say it again if I did. So joy is gladness, not based on circumstance. Mm. I feel like 
I can be a mag, like I can be a magnet for that. Like, so like attracts like, right. I have met some incredible people in my life, but I also feel like it also goes right. So as long as I keep my energy high and my joy, you know, my intentions going other people, it's like a wildfire, Mm -hmm. right? Other people, you know, I've heard of other people writing a book since my book came out. I'm like, ooh, I'm not going to credit myself with that, right? But I'm like, oh, maybe just a little bit was like, well, if she could do it, I can do it. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. And I love, I just love being with people and trying to help them be as joyful as they can. Oh, I love that about you. And I can feel it like radiating through the Zoom. I'm just like, this is amazing. And you know what? I I, I would have never become a coach if I didn't believe that I couldn't believe that I healed and got my joy back. And it's literally the only reason that I became a coach. I was working a six-figure job, jet-setting around the world as an event planner, living my best life, going to all these, I mean, going to the Mediterranean on private yachts. It was like a movie-style life. It was really, really incredible. But when I learned how to reclaim my joy through divorce, I knew that there was no way in the world that I could let hundreds and thousands of women just sit without it thinking that it was never going to come back again. So I left it. I left my six figure jet setting job to show other people how to get their joy back. And I I really think that 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 speaks to exactly what you, what you're saying about your joy. Like it it is so special, uh, such a special piece that I'm so glad you love about yourself because that does provide the attraction for all that you are and all that people like people need to be able to know that it's available. So you're that beacon of letting reflecting back, like this is available for you too. Yeah. You can have this, you can have this lightness and this ease and you can, you can choose to move to Costa Rica too, right? Right. Like (laughs) exactly. You just uprooted your life and have transitioned and, and you found a new partner and you're living like we're both, we've recreated ourselves and our lives in a way that feels so aligned and alive. And that is the purpose of this podcast is to show people that your pain can become so purposeful if you let it, if If you you let let it. it. If you let it, and it's not always easy, but you can do it. And it is, and we're living proof of that. I think there's no coincidence that we got on this podcast together, that you reached out because I was working with people to help me. And you're like, oh, I'm just going to reach out to her anyway. Boom. I think we were meant to be talking about this together. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. (laughs) Well, our last question, I think you're really going to enjoy it is, um, what does joy feel like in your body? In my body, joy in my body. That's a really good question. Um, I guess you could equate it to um, butterflies. You know, like when you, um, the first time you fell in love, right? Everybody feels butterflies the first time they fall in love, right? Um, And it's not like, it's not always there. I don't always have butterflies, but you know, And it also feels like what they talk about flow, right? Like when you're doing something you love and it's going really well and it, and you're like, just everything is connecting. Yes. That's what, that's what joy feels like to me. 
yes. the butterflies, like the knowledge that you're in the right place at the right time. Um, mm. You know, and there are certainly moments where you don't feel like you're in the right place at the right time, but because you have joy, you're okay. Ooh. Right? I, I love what you just said too, because I think that practicing joy, create, cultivating joy and learning how to really allow it to serve your soul provides so much more than just joy. It provides ease. It provides comfort. It provides trust. It provides safety. There are all yeah. of these, like if joy is the center of the wheel, there are all these spokes in my personal opinion that Absolutely. come as a result of claiming and owning that part of you. I use yeah. joy, the joy acronym as um, just own you. I love that. And when you take ownership of your your journey, your journey, Absolutely. and you take ownership of your your choice and of all the things, it's like just own you, just own your life, just own you. Because you know what? Lots of times we try, without even knowing it, we try to own someone else. Yes. yes. And you know what? You only own you. Yeah. No one's here to make you happy. No one's here to make you sad. No one's here to do anything for you but you. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. Thank you for spending your your time and your light and sharing your gifts and your journey. Thank it's you, Heidi. Amazing. It's been my pleasure. All my pleasure. Thank you so much. And for all of you listening, just a quick reminder, you are safe. You are loved. You are worthy. Go out into the world, shine your light bright and live a limitless life. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. If you loved our chat or know someone who would, take a quick screenshot and share it now or leave a five-star review so this message can reach the masses. Let's continue connecting. Drop me a DM at Your Divorce Planner or go to yourdivorceplannerhub.com to start coordinating your comeback today. You can even schedule a free connection call to dive into your desires and understand how partnering with Your Divorce Planner will be a game changer for your next chapter. Tune in next week for another transformational topic. And remember, you are loved, you are worthy, you are enough. Take care.